you have just entered the portal of discovery, complete with a British chick intro. Now, strap yourself in. We are in control of... We can adjust the treble. The bass. Add, add echo. Welcome to Speaking Out, America. We are in control. Well, I think this might be a doozy. We've got a lot of topics to cover. And I sure appreciate you taking the time out to join us Monday through Friday here on CRNTalk.com, 5 to 6 p.m. Pacific, and then also on, on podcast platforms everywhere. And uh, we're going to br- break it down on Adam Schiff, which was, I think, a very interesting event uh, that happened, even though I don't think it'll mean anything. Let's face it. You know, what does it mean to be censored? Uh, you know, I'd rather see the guy get fired, frankly. And I, and I wish that they would have not taken off that million dollar, te- you know, they had a, originally they were going to bill him millions of dollars for continuing on this fallacy, this salacious idea that Trump and Russia colluded for him to win the presidency in 2016. He wasted everybody's time because he sits on these committees where he can call things um, whatever they, whatever that terminology is, right? And so he was able to orchestrate the ongoing investigation, the Mueller investigation, everything. Uh, and he was, I believe, part of the problem. He, the White House inner circle. Listen, everybody in the country knows that Adam Schiff and people in California and people in his district, the 30th con- Congressional District, is one of the most powerful districts in the country. It is where all of the movie studios are. It is where all the directors, producers, the entire area that he controls is unbelievable in terms of its scope. Now, he started out as a prosecutor for the state U.S. Attorney's Office in Los Angeles. Then he became a state attorney. He did that for four years, and then he got elected to Congress in twenty, the year 20, uh, 2000. He has been reelected Six times. That's why he's been able to serve almost 24 years. And now he wants to be the senator. Now he wants to go on and continue his political career. And there's no reason he won't. Because if you dig deep and you look into contributions and who donates to Adam Schiff, it's all of those woke people like Rob Reiner and all the powerful uh, producers and uh, people that own Universal Studios and Netflix and Warner Brothers and and, uh, Fox, all of those very wealthy people, including the actors, the movie stars, the performers, the directors, the union bosses, all of the museums, the La Brea Tar Pits, the Wilshire District. I don't think Beverly Hills is there, but I think it's, you know, most of the people don't live in Beverly Hills. But he covers a lot of terrain, and all of those people expected him to go to Washington because they hated Trump. They hated this guy coming in because they knew that he was against them and their power. Trump said he tried to drain drain the swamp. A part of that swamp is in Silver Lake and in Echo Park and the Hollywood Lake. I mean, the amount of money that went into making sure that Adam Schiff got reelected year after year He was obviously doing their bidding. Now, I'll tell you something that I know about Adam Schiff that the rest of the world may not know. 
And again, I, I'm just going to say that my source, I believe, was reliable, but he's dead. Uh, and he died, I believe it was suicide. He was a friend of a friend who used to hang out with the Hollywood crowd on Mulholland Drive, and he, would, he was an actor. And he would always tell me about this guy, Adam Schiff, who would frequent these parties that were often held in the Hollywood Hills by producers. And some of those producers, and I don't remember the guy's name, but he, he works with Ron Howard, and he's a known, uh, let's just say he's a known homosexual. And he would invite people like Adam Schiff, and my friend would say that he would see Adam at these parties. And these parties were mostly older men and younger men. And you go ahead and put the pieces together on that. Okay? Older men, older producers, directors, hanging out, drinking, up in the, up in the hills above Hollywood in the, in the late 80s and the 90s. And there's Adam Schiff. Well, Adam Schiff wasn't a movie producer. He was a politician. What was he doing there? What do you think he was doing there? He was favoring up with them so that they would be keep, become his political contributors. That's his constituency. This is why all the outrage from people like Rob Reiner. Think about all the outrage that comes from the left. They're all in Hollywood. They're all movie stars. They carry the torch for whatever woke ideology they happen to embrace. And Adam Schiff is their pivot man. Adam Schiff is who they control. And he loves it. He wants that adoration. He wants that power. And this is why, you know, our founding fathers never would have imagined that such a place as West Hollywood, L.A., that, that little geographical area would grow to amass so much influence in our culture. And that's certainly what has happened with Hollywood, Netflix, HBO. They're all there. And Adam Schiff works for all of them. He's the one that carries their policies forward into Washington and tries to institute their policies influenced by these people who think they know better than we do about how to live our lives. And he is up there trying to institute policy to reflect their wishes. Not the normal people in Los Angeles, mind you. So I think there's shady shift. There's a lot about him. I think he knows where a lot of bodies are buried, and they all control him like a, like a marionette controls a puppet. And they're going to make sure, and that's why he spent five years trying to go after Trump, because they wanted to make sure that he did it. And if he hadn't, well, they could remove him easily. And doesn't that make sense to you? That's not a grand conspiracy theory. It just happens to be the truth. So it's pretty significant that a man of this power sits on all the Judiciary Committees. He's been reelected six times. He's been in Congress for 24 years. He is everything that we don't want in our politicians. He is bought and paid for. You know, I tried to find some information via artificial intelligence. And you may want to try this too. But when I typed in something, what were the political contributions of Adam Schiff in 2020? Every time I typed in anything having to do with Adam Schiff, I would get an error message. Now, don't you think that's kind of strange? I mean, I could Google the most obscure thing, or I could look up something on chat GPT just to test it. And I have, trust me. And it always comes back with something. But why error messages when I look up anything on Adam Schiff? I find that kind of strange, don't you? Anyway, here's a, here's a highlight from Adam Schiff 
being censored by the House of Representatives. On this vote, the A's are 213 and the nays are 209. With six answering present, the resolution adopted. Without objection, the motion to consider is relayed on the table. The House will be in order. Uh, and of course, the people on the left in Congress, the Democrats, they're chanting, chanting. I saw some of the dialogue on some of the, the shows yesterday about it. And it, it's all about the right wing is just going after Adam Schiff as if he could do nothing wrong, even though he wasted $35 million of taxpayer money going after a guy just to appease his left coast friends, those in powerful positions in Hollywood. That's it. And they hate Trump. Because, see, they're what's wrong with politics. Those people who want to influence their political leaders for their own benefit is what's wrong with American politics today. And Trump and the rest of us know that. So to be continued. But I think, I hope, I pray, I I don't like to say this, but I hope that he changes his mind. I hope something happens in his life that makes Adam Schiff go away. You know, maybe he'll wake up one day and have a revelation and realize that he wants to go back and teach at Glendale College. Who knows? But that guy is dangerous. He is what makes American politics stink in this country. And I'm embarrassed that this man comes from the place that I call home, where I grew up. So there you go. All right. I got a, I saw something on, uh, internet today and you know i always look with a a lot of suspicion critical mind but i want to read to you something and and it's it's probably a conspiracy but let's just assume for the sake whoever wrote it probably had a good source but uh, it's talking about the ukraine war which we touched on yesterday do we have enough time to read this i think we do yes we do today russian defense minister sergey shigu made an announcement that he has not yet been carried to western media but which is of the most grave uh, grave nature. According to the latest intelligence reports, Russia believes that the Ukrainian armed forces now intend to cover their failed counteroffensive at the Donbass region by using U.S.-supplied HIMARS multiple launch artillery and U.K.-supplied Storm Shadow cruise missiles, possibly in the longer-range domestic version, to attack the Crimea. If this happens, uh, Shoigu, Russia... According to Shoigu, Russia will consider both the United States and Britain to have fully entered the war as co-belligerents, and Russia will immediately respond to any such attack on its territory by destroying the decision-making centers of the Kiev regime. This is a fairly transparent threat to neutralize their government apparatus and personnel, logically including President Zelensky. The statement by Shoigu leaves little doubt that we are entering a, the final phase of the Ukraine war as a war limited to the geography of Ukraine and are possibly heading into a wider war with unforeseeable consequences both for Europeans and finally for the Americans. Now, this could be propaganda. Let's assume for a moment that it is propaganda. It's out there. Let's see what happens. Maybe it's right. Maybe it's wrong. We'll have to wait and see, won't we? Nancy's going to drop by. He'll have some thoughts on this China conflict that's going on. Stay tuned. Speaking out, America.
Welcome back. I'm JR. So glad to have you here. Sometimes when I don't have much to do, which is rare, I like to kind of mess around, you know, and I don't know if you do this too. You know, I might have a half an hour to kill. Just go on social media and kind of flip through and see what's out there. And every once in a while, I'll come across a couple of real gems. Actually, quite entertaining, really, because you come across gems like this one. Remember this one? You want to stop world hunger? Stop sending them food. Don't send these people another bite, folks. You want to send them something? You want to help? Send them U-Hauls. Send them U-Hauls, some luggage, and send them a guy out there that goes, Hey, you know, we've been driving out here every day with your food for like the last, uh, I don't know, 30, 40 years. And we were driving out here a day across the desert, and it occurred to us there wouldn't be world hunger if you people would live where the food is! <laughs> This is sand. Yeah. It's sand. You know it's going to be 100 years from now, huh? It's going to be sand! You're living on deserts! Get your kids, get your school, make one trip! We'll take you to where the food is! <laughs> Sam Kennison. Uh, you know, there's comedy from the 70s and 80s that I love. Talk about going retro. That's for the discriminating taste. Uh, you know what's been floating out recently? Uh... And I don't think it's a meme. I don't think it's, or somebody put it together. But this is a good example of how media tends to turn into a, a giant echo chamber. And we've talked about it before, if you've ever observed. Why is it that the media all seems on the same side of every single issue? And it's because they all mimic each other. Because they're all playing by a, a set of uh, maybe subconscious rules. And it's how they stay in the game. It's how they earn their marks. It's it's how they show the corporatocracy that they're on board with the plan, whatever that plan might be, whether it's supporting global climate change, uh, crisis ideology, or trans, or anything that might be going on culturally. They take cues from one another. But where do those cues come from? Well, they usually come from news directors who are influenced by general managers who follow the network uh, corporate directives and they feed each other all the same stories. And so it's no wonder that the media sounds like this. Fortunately, some members of the media, some members of the media, some members of the media, some, some members, members of the media, media use their, their platforms to, to push, push their, their own, own personal bias, bias. To, push to push their, their own, own personal bias, bias and agenda to control exactly what people think. This is extremely dangerous to our democracy. And again, it reminds me of that episode of, of Star Trek, The Next Generation, where the Borg are all talking to Captain Picard. Remember that one? Yeah. Uh, anyway, so what's another good one? Oh, I found this one. This is a real good food for thought. I love people who post these kinds of, they're like quips from very wise people from our previous generation. The wise people that our previous generation ignores because it makes them uncomfortable. Here's a good one about tolerance. Think about this. Tolerance will reach such a level that intelligent people will be banned from thinking so as not to offend the imbeciles. Yeah, think about that, right? Tolerance. When we stop thinking and we, we just don't want to run the risk of offending somebody else. That was originally, that's a quote from Fyodor Dachevsky. Uh, Tolerance will reach such a level that intelligent people will be banned from thinking so as not to offend the imbeciles. Yeah, ponder that the next time you run into a snowflake. Uh, here's an interesting story. I want to play something for you. You will have not heard this anywhere else. I, don't, I do not believe, but listen to this. 
That is the Sagittarius Cosmic Echo. Now, what is a Sagittarius Cosmic Echo? Well, in the constellation Sagittarius A, which is a couple of billion light years from us, there's an enormous black hole. Well, for some reason, that black hole 200 years ago uh, came to light. It just it came to life. The way they describe it is like a glowworm in the forest that suddenly becomes as bright as the sun. And the amount of energy, and I'm talking about cosmic X-ray energy, the same kind of X-ray that they use to take a, an X-ray of you when they want to see if you have a broken bone or you know, they want to look at your lungs. It's that level of radiation and the enormity of the power of this black hole. Remember, this is 200 years ago that it happened. So it took 200 years for our scientists to hear it. And this is what happened 200. This is the sound of the cosmic energy coming at us from billions of light years away. Again, take a listen. It's beautiful. Isn't that something? That's, it's, I can't even wrap my mind around that. And Sagittarius is one of the largest. It's in the direction towards the center of the Milky Way, but it's, I think, a little far left. Uh, and it's just unbelievable what they're able to capture. And the story goes from the fizz.org. New data from NASA's Imaging X-ray uh, Polarimetry Explorer, the XPE, has provided evidence that the supermassive black hole at the center of the Milky Way galaxy known as Sagittarius A went through a very intense period of activity some 200 years ago after gobbling up gas and dust that came within its range. An international team of scientists has discovered the Sagittarius A, the supermassive black hole at the center of the Milky Way, emerged from a long period of dormancy. That's how they describe it. And it just made this incredible sound. It almost sounds like a harp, doesn't it? It sounds like a harp. It's pretty interesting. Okay, so a little bit of political news. So it is true that Biden has dispatched Jake Sullivan and Victoria Newland to try to convince war skeptics uh, from the BRIC nations, that would be Brazil, not Russia, obviously, Iran. But the President Zelensky has confessed that the Ukraine's counteroffensive is not moving like he wanted. President Biden National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan is mounting a big push to convince skeptics from developing nations to become more firmly supportive of Kiev's war effort. Now, I read to you the tweet that came from somewhere earlier, some news agency overseas, that declares that the uh, Russian offensive, that they're going to strike at Kiev if if uh, Ukrainians use American and UK missiles to take out Crimea. So if that happens, we can expect that Kiev is going to be bombed back to the Stone Age. And that is going to elevate this war to a whole new level, especially if they take out most of the intelligence officers in Kiev. And what are we doing? We're sending Jake Sullivan, who initiated the, I can't even go in, I don't have time to go into Jake Sullivan, and Victoria Newland, who, by the way, her husband was a big sponsor of the Iraq War, 
and the so-called weapons of mass destruction. This is how deep this goes. And they're going to go now and they're going to try to extort these small countries and member nations to support our efforts to taking out Russia. So you can see where this is going to lead. And I'm sorry to say, but this is not a country that is desiring peace right now. We're, we're, we're in a bit of a jam. Nan Sue's going to join us in just a moment. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Speaking Out America. I'm on now with Nan Sue, senior investigative reporter at the Epoch Times and an expert, our resident expert on all things China. So last week, Nan, when we were talking about Cuba, uh, the, it, it had been revealed that Cuba indeed was setting up a spy base there, not 90 miles away from the coast. Now the Biden administration is having to, to deal with that embarrassing issue. Can you tell us some background on this? Well, uh, the the uh, Chinese Communist regime has been doing this for years in Cuba, uh, trying to uh, collect the intelligence, uh, uh, you know, information through uh, radio wave, uh, maybe internet. Now uh, they are expanding their uh, spy base over there right now, so they want a much bigger operation over there. And they're going to send some of the experts to send more experts to Cuba, uh, and the way they and also the in, uh, technology they're using involve Huawei and Zhongxing, and two of the companies already sanctioned, uh, Chinese companies already sanctioned by uh, U.S. government, and both of those Chinese com- companies claim that they are a private company, but you know. Uh, in China, you, you, you never have a 100% private company because they have this law made if, uh, if uh, the government wants you to do something, especially uh, related to the national security, uh, you have to, you have to uh, collaborate with them. What is it about this? Is it the proximity? I mean, they could be anywhere. They could be in Central America. What is it about the proximity of Cuba that gives them a distinct advantage uh, they could get. Uh, can you break that down for us? Well, it's so close to the number one. It's so close to United States. It's like within seventy miles mm-hmm. uh, 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 from you know uh, United States, and then it's it's Cuba. It's a communist country, uh, so that uh, uh, they very much uh, you know get along with China very well. So. Uh, uh, they will probably need some money uh, from China, and China used them uh, as a pawn uh, mm-hmm. right at the neighbor, uh, right at the border of the United States. So they can do all these uh, uh, spy thing uh, easily and with a lot of collaboration, collaboration from the government. They don't have to worry about if they go to you think about it. If they get to Mexico. It's it's a, a lot harder for the Chinese regime because you know your United States have a lot more influence over there in mm-hmm. Mexico. But when you talk about the Cuba, boy, they're they are they are they are the communist country too, right? Right, of course. Uh, what about ships, uh, submarines? Can they the Chinese would they be allowed uh, to bring their military, their their air their aircraft, and park it in Cuba? We 
don't know if they uh, how they're going to do it, uh, the detail or how the equipment is going to be shipped to Cuba. Uh, but now I think it's more possible because it's a supply base uh, uh, facility. So it's it's more like you know all these uh, private companies, Chinese companies like Huawei, Zhongxing. Mm-hmm. You know they're going to they're going to help the Chinese government to ship all these equipments around. Got it. Let's talk about Anthony Anthony Blinken's trip to China. The news is all over the place saying it was a disaster. It was an embarrassment for the U.S. What do you think went wrong? And and of course, I read today that. China made a big deal about being insulted yesterday by Biden being called a dictator. But today they've se- seemed to have quieted down on it. What did Xi get out of this trip with Blinken coming to the, to China? What did he get out of it? Uh, it? It's more or less about an image. They want an image. You know, they said basically they, you know, uh, uh, if you look at how the setup was, they have uh, two long tables uh, set up so you know that uh, when she uh, met uh, Blinken and two very long tables, you know the U.S. delegation is on one side, one table, and the Chinese delegation on another side. And at the end, you know, she uh, sits sits at the end as emperor. So right. in, in the regular setup, when you uh, welcome. Uh, a, a guest of your nation, you know, you're supposed to be see uh, she and Blinken. They were sit supposedly side by side, and then uh, and then there were some translators in between, right? Mm-hmm. So, but then they set it up in the in the way that uh, she is in charge, and then you know, uh, uh, two sides are doing the job based on uh, under his uh, supervision. So that is more of an image thing. Now, uh, I don't think uh, the uh, I, I think the uh, 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 Blinken had a really a good reason to go there to try to set up and top communication channel between the U.S. military and Chinese military. But then the Chinese, but the Xi Jinping is like used all these uh, different setup to really protrude an image that. He is the leader of the world. Um, that's the way it is. So when Anthony Blinken said that they're not going to support Taiwan's independence, what was your reaction when, when you heard that he said that? Well, that's, uh, that's uh, you know, uh, 50 years, half century of uh, uh, U.S.-China policy. Now, the U.S. US have one China policy China has a one China principle. Now these two are totally different. You know, China say one China principle meaning, you know, Taiwan is part of China, but United States uh, never agree Taiwan is a part of a People's Republic of China. But however, at the same time, you know, the one China policy of US government did not support the independence uh, of Taiwan. However, so that promise uh, from United States government made to the Chinese government did not, was not made without condition. And that condition was anything regarding Taiwan need to be, any difference regarding Taiwan need to be resolved peacefully. So that is the bottom line. Mm. Uh, and uh, Blinken uh, clearly re-emphasized 
uh, that standpoint of U.S. government uh, in Be- both in Beijing and uh, when he came back to the United States, they held a news conference. Mm. So you're not worried that that was a comment that would could lead to a message to Xi Jinping that if they were to take over Taiwan or invade Taiwan, that America wouldn't come to their rescue? You don't think that no, was a message from no, Antony Blinken? No, he, he said nothing wrong about U.S. Uh, uh, China policy. Uh, that's long-term China policy. And now uh, you see uh, Biden actually repeatedly uh, uh, four times uh, last year that, that if China invaded Taiwan, U.S. Uh, military will get involved, will you know interfere uh, 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 the invasion militarily. Uh, I think that the, the message was really clear. You know, there was a two part of the message. You shouldn't, neither part need to be missed. The one part is, you know, U.S. government does not support the independence of Taiwan, meaning the U- United States government will not uh, establish the formal diplomatic relationship with Taiwan. That's always been that way. But however, there's other part uh, of the of the agreement that's been consistently ignored. Uh, which is, you know, any difference regarding Taiwan need to be resolved peacefully. So uh, I think that the, uh, Blinken clearly, you know, uh, re-emphasized that point. That point when he was in Beijing and when he came back to the Washington D.C. So uh, it's really it's just the Chinese uh, uh, communist regime used that. Uh, use the incident to set up, you know, uh, set up the way to protrude an image that she is the leading and U.S. is the following. It's all about when, the optics, uh, right? It's all about uh, how yeah. he wants to look and present himself on the world stage, no, no doubt. All right, well, Nansu, uh, investigative reporter, Epoch Times. He also has a documentary called The Final War, The Final War, which you'll find on the epochtimes.com website. And as always, Nan, thanks for stopping by, and we appreciate your insight into these matters. We'll talk to you again soon. Well, they're pretty sure that the people that were in that submarine uh, fell to their fate, and um, it is a tragic thing. It's gripped Americans and probably people all over the world because they they uh, they had a couple of people there from Pakistan, one of the richest uh, citizens of Pakistan, uh, Pakistan, along with his son. Uh, certainly, the person who owned the submarine and. Uh, just a very, very sad. Here, here is the Newsmax report as from earlier today and some interesting follow-up on what happens next. What happens at that point? Do, you know, do they even try to recover the debris and what may be left of, of the Titan? How does that work? Uh, well, from the Coast Guard standpoint, I don't believe they would try to recover it. It's typically, um, if it's not presenting a hazard to navigation, they're not going to recover it. They'd probably leave them them resting on the ocean floor if that's where they are. Um, but, you know, what happens next? I think that you're going to see an investigation. You're going to see an investigation how, you know, an organization was providing 
essentially a, a tourism charter to the bottom of the ocean under the um, description of, you know, research assistant. Uh, and there, you're going to see the Coast Guard take a look at that. And then you're going to probably see some sort of requirement in the future to have some sort of safety equipment on board. It's one thing if you or I decide to get in my own homemade submersible and go down to the bottom of the ocean on my own and something happens. But when you're uh, an American business or you're, a, you know, a, a business in general and you're operating a charter where you're bringing people on board that vessel, uh, that would then fall under the Coast Guard's realm of their authority and jurisdiction. And they don't, you know, they're not going to tolerate having people just uh, operate in an unsafe manner like that. A lot of people were surprised that it even got to that point. And you would have thought someone who uh, had that much money and resources and skill and and he would put people in harm's way. Uh, I think my wife and I were commenting with each other. I mean, this thing is operated by a uh, PlayStation joystick. That seemed kind of odd. And there were previous reports of people complaining about it. So it's a tragedy all the way around. Um, And we all, you know, what immediately happens is we hear and then we immediately put ourselves in their position. And then we try to think, okay, how would we react? And, and And the truth is we wouldn't know how we would react. We can pretend that we might behave a certain way, but... You know, it all depends on what mood you're in that day. Anyway, we also still don't know what happened. It could have been something that was sudden. And we'll find out more, but we may never find out enough. And that's the interesting thing about this. And so, you know, obviously our prayers as a country go with those those folks. Um, you know, it seems like recently there's been a lot more pushback, if you haven't noticed, on some of the, the more woke ideology. For example, people are becoming aware of the fact that the Black Lives Matter movement was a sham and that it was nothing more than a money grab. You're hearing more and more of those kinds of reports seep through. And I find it interesting. Uh, Victor David Hansen wrote an article today about how America is waking up to wokeism and they're pushing back in, in generous ways. For example, we know about the Bud Light fiasco. They have never recovered into the tune of $30 billion lost. Target lost money. We saw what happened with the Dodgers. It's going to be a long time before they regain the trust of their fans, particularly their Catholic, uh, their Catholic fans. See, nobody had a problem with just regular good old Pride Night. Same at um, Disney. You know, as long as far back as I can remember, and believe me, there's a lot of years to remember. I remember when they first started having, you know, what they called it back then was Gay Night at Gay Pride Night at Disney. And everybody who wanted to go and enjoy it went. And if you weren't into that scene, then you didn't go. But when you start getting into this world where you're talking about different gender identities other than male and female, that's where people, I think, have drawn the line. Because we all have a sense of the truth and we sense that something there doesn't seem right. And then to push that on children seems even more inappropriate and downright dangerous. And so people are waking up to that. But, you know, uh, Victor David Hansen points out a couple of things. He said he points out that wokeism really took off after COVID-19. And now that we're all sort of getting out of that and the fog is starting to clear, we're looking around. And what we're seeing is that woke is retrogressive, reactionary, and against the very principles for a good civilization. For example, decriminalizing the legal code, defunding the police, failing to apply norms to the homeless population, destroying meritocracy. And what's happened is all of our major cities that were once these beautiful icons of the West are becoming slums. I think it's admirable that Vivek Ramswamy 
took it upon himself to go and look at life in San Francisco. Well, obviously he's a resident of California, but he also took the time to go to Philadelphia and other major cities, New York, obviously. And he's seeing what's happening. You know, I didn't tell you this part about this article that I read over the weekend about Bill Bratton and and Rudy Giuliani and how they turned New York around from much of the disparity you see today and how it took four or five years. But when they started focusing on arresting the little criminals and word started to get out that you couldn't get away with crime, that was the beginning of the change. That was the beginning of the shift. And people like Will Bratton, the police commissioner then, he had adopted the uh, broken window campaign, which is if you if you leave one broken window, you're going to get another and another. And it's the same with graffiti in some cities. You know that when you start to see graffiti, if it doesn't get covered up, then there's going to be more graffiti. And then pretty soon you're going to have turf wars and pretty soon you're going to have drug pushers coming into your, your neighborhood. Why? Because nobody's there. You know, you think about how San Francisco was always the the icon, the crystal of the West. 20, 30, 40 years ago, I used to go up quite a bit with friends and we'd hang out for the weekend. Or It was great. It was such a beautiful city. Too cold for me. It had a charm in, my, in many, many ways, probably the most charm of any United States city. But now... It's just a cesspool of, of, of uh, the road of good intentions. A woke FBI, a Pentagon, an airline industry became infected with wokeism and people's lives became in danger. Uh, now we're also waking up to the fact that it's not really race or ideology. It really is about class and income level. So Dave, Victor David Hansen writes, It is one thing to restrict fossil fuel development if you are on the upper 1% income bracket. Quite another if you commute 50 miles a day in a used car. If there are to be reparations, for example, why not include uh, Eric Holder and Al Sharpton? But what about the indigent and Hispanics, Asians and whites, poor whites of, uh, you know, like, what's that region? Um, Kentucky and those areas, rural areas. What about those people? Other things that uh, Victor David Hansen points out, the multimillionaire, the prep school, and Ivy League-educated former Barack Obama. He might want to go on and castigate unwoke Senator Tim Scott. Uh, But where is Obama's victimhood while he stands on his properties in Martha's Vineyard or in Hawaii? It's hard hard to, to believe a guy who has amassed that much wealth and property and influence going on and on about how bad America has been. Then, of course, you've got the Hispanic American Catholics and the Middle Eastern American Muslims who are waking up to wokeism, and now they have a common enemy. They're having these anti-religious ideologies foisted upon them in schools and in their media. And let me tell you something. I I do believe that Middle Eastern American uh, people are very against a lot of what they're seeing, and that's why there's so much pushback from other countries about American culture and the pride flag and all these other things. And then finally, Victor David Hansen writes, wokeism is cannibalistic. Even the children of woke architects with perfect SAT scores and 4.0 grade point averages are being rejected on the basis of their race. 
and they're waking up to that. And pretty soon, the Hollywood actors and producers, they're going to start realizing they're not getting all the roles because they're not the right race. And then this is why he says that things are starting to change, that we're waking up to the reality that wokeism is, after all, in its essence, anti-progress. It's not progressive. It's destructive. It's regressive. It breaks down every institution that we have that we can that we've learned that we can depend on. And it has essentially corrupted the world, or at least the culture. And look at the grade schools, the the report card that came out yesterday. Most thirteen year old students today have a reading and math level of a C minus. Can you believe that? Richest nation in the world, we put more money and resources into the school administration, every child is guaranteed an education. And for generations, we have, we have pushed out some of the best and the brightest. Other countries send their kids to our schools because they know this is the best education in the land. And now I think we rank like 30th in the world as far as education and scores, high school scores. People are graduating. They can't open a checking account and they barely know how to read. And yet we poured all this money and time and effort into our education. And what do we have to show for it? 13-year-olds who can barely read, who can barely do math. Yet they know everything about climate change and they know everything about trans ideology. And it's a real tragedy. But people are starting to wake up to this. Parents, mothers are starting to wake up to this. And that's a good thing. That means that the pendulum does indeed swing in both directions. Maybe equilibrium will come sooner than we expect. A man can dream, can't he? See you next time, Speaking Out America. I'm JR.